Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. It's great to have you with us here, and it's uh, such an amazing opportunity to celebrate together all that Christ has done for us, what we celebrate Easter for. Didn't the kids do a fantastic job up here? It's what we call organised chaos. And it seems to be the way we roll here at Hills, but praise God, no one fell off or anything like that. Uh, but really, really great. Hey, we're going to dive straight into the Word today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15. And then also you can put a little marker in John chapter two. And we're gonna bounce between. Those of you who were with us on Friday, well, Thursday night, we had this idea of sitting in the darkness, sitting in the garden. And it was such a powerful time to sit around the cross and reflect on what Christ was doing. And then Friday morning, we looked at the idea that light was piercing the darkness. And that in that place, as Nick said, that there's that, Darkness was no longer a prison, but became a prism by which we would see the glory of Christ, full of grace and truth, sitting in John 1. And today we of course come to the celebration Sunday where the light has fully come, where the darkness has been destroyed. Um, as we sit in the incredible truth that Jesus Christ crucified resurrected, raised to life, that we might come to life in Him. And I don't know if there's anyone here who loves a good series, whether that's a book or a movie where there's just one after the next, after the next, after. Anyone here love a good series or a good story which keeps on going? Uh, My children at the moment are into a series called Wings of Fire. Anyone into Wings of Fire? No? Some of you, the kids, especially in schools, kids are in, so we're reading this thing, Wings of Fire. It's this whole amazing series about dragons. It's quite engaging. And uh, my, uh, they've been reading it and I, I started asking questions about this Wings of Fire and what's going on. And Mabel said to me, she's like, well, why don't, you, why don't we read it together, Dad? I went, great idea. So we started in book seven because she'd already book, read book one through six. And so I jumped in at book seven and started reading. And of course, something happened on the first page. What involved me saying, what's this? Because I'd missed book one through six. So I'm asking question after question after question, trying to gain some understanding of where we are, feeling like I'm trying to get my head around it. And then we get to sort of halfway through book seven, three quarters of the way, book seven. At this point, Bailey's finished the whole series and he'd constantly be sort of poking his head in and be like, do you want me to tell you what happens next? (laughs) And we would say, no, because we were getting into it. But this incredible thing happened, which really grabbed me, is we got to the end of book seven. At the end of book seven, I'm reading along. I haven't read book one through six. And by me not reading through book one through six, yes, I've been able to ask questions and gain some, un- gain some understanding, but we got to the end of book seven, the last page. And as we read it, Mabel did this. She went, <gasps> she's like, oh my goodness. That means this you know, character from this and this. And you could see just the light going on. And she was like, 
oh, every, like this thing that I've read back here is now coming to pass here. And, and, it's like, and I was like, what's going on? Because she was so excited, which meant I got excited because I'm a reasonably excitable person. So I'm like, what, what is this? What is this? She's trying to explain it to me. And I'm like, oh, and then in the end, she said something quite profound. I don't know if she realised it was, but she said, Dad, just go back and read it. Hurry up, let's get on with it. At which point Bailey comes in again. Do you want me to fill you in? <laughs> no, I wanna read it. You know, there's something about when we're in a good series, there's something about recognising that all of it links together, isn't there? And that something that is set up in book one will have utter and absolute significance and importance by the time you get to book seven, eight, 15, 28, however many they make. The same is true with Easter. The same is true with the Scriptures. So often we see Easter as this wonderful standalone event. It's like we come, we celebrate Jesus died, great, rose again, wonderful, fantastic. And by itself, it's amazing, isn't it? Just as a standalone event, it's incredible. But my hope today, my prayer today, what I, what I long to see happen is that just maybe the Lord might use this next 20 minutes as we look at the Scripture to be a wings of fire Mabel moment for you in the Scripture that just maybe we're gonna see something that God put in book one that makes us go, <gasps> and as we come to Easter, we're like, Oh my goodness me. Like maybe I've seen it before, but maybe I've never seen it like that before. And my prayer for us is that that would become our habit, that would become our reality, that we don't read this thing in isolation, that we recognise that God is at work, that he, what He put into effect on day one that we looked at on Friday when He said, let there be light, that He said it is finished on the cross on Friday, but that He will bring to utter and completion on that final day when He comes back to make all things right, that this is the most intricate, amazing, incredible thing ever. And that we cannot read this and gain understanding it without having moments that make us go, Because the depth and the wonder of this fulfilled at Easter could never be something conjured in a human imagination. It can only be God. And that's my prayer, that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit through His Word, just fall more and more in love with Jesus and say, oh, I just wanna go deeper. I just wanna go to the next chapter to see what else He has for us. So let's go to Mark 15. This is awfully low today. <laughs> the, the joys of a smaller stage. So Mark 15, reading from verse 24. Goes exactly like this. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. 
And it was the third hour when they crucified him and the inscription of the charge against him read, the King of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, underline that. You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So all the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross. Now watch this, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Now, here's something that as you read that, something that jumps to me is I'm like, okay, so what is the goal? Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So you read this and you're like, well, hang on. If the goal is believing that we might not perish and have eternal life, and they're sitting here looking at Jesus on the cross, mocking him saying, Jesus, come down that we might see and believe. I just go, well, why didn't he just come down? Like if the goal is believing and if him coming down from the cross with everyone there in that moment is gonna cause them to see and believe according to them, why not come down? He had the power to. Why choose to stay? And you might say, well, Dave, that's a simple one because the curse of sin is death. And we know from the Mosaic law and Jesus came to fulfill that, that there ha- that price had to be paid. He had to die. Amen. Why not die on the cross and then straight away go, bang, look at me, I'm back. With everybody there, with everybody there that they might see and believe. Have you ever wondered that? Why the third day? If that goal is seeing and believe, that they might believe and have faith in Christ, it would have been a fair spectacle, hey? In that moment, just coming down from the cross. But we have to understand that this is far deeper than the moment. But that there's something all the way back in book one that helps us understand what's going on here in Mark 15. And we have to understand actually where their mockery comes from. Because their mockery is based in a misconception of Jesus' mission. You see, they mock him based on something he said, which is recorded back in John chapter two. Let's go to John chapter two. Because there's a really interesting thing, John two, that Jesus does and then that Jesus says, and this is at the beginning of his ministry. You see in John two from verse 13, it says the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple 
with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Keep reading. So the Jews said to him, so he's cleared the temple and there's a whole nother message in that. But watch their response. What sign do you show us for doing these things? Basically what they're saying is, who the heck are you? What gives you the right to come in here and start flipping tables, getting on your high horse, being all like you're better than us? What gives you the right? What sign can you give us to prove that you have the authority to speak into this? That's what they're asking him. Look at his response. Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And what did they do? What did they do? Come on, church. They believed. They believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. There's something so powerful about this. You see the mocks, the mockery that happened to Jesus on the cross, them saying, you who said you destroy the temple, come down but they misunderstood the moment in John 2. Because in the moment in John 2, as they're standing at the temple after he's cleared it out, he then says, destroy this temple, speaking about his own body. What sign, what gives you the right to speak into this? What gives you the right to clear out out the temple? What gives you the right to rebuke us and call us to account? And he goes, I'll show you what gives me the right. Well, show you what gives me the authority, what gives me the power. It's not that I'm gonna give you a, any sort of sign. It's not about just symbolism. It's not that I'm gonna work a miracle that's gonna show my authority. The thing that's gonna declare my authority through all of human history and all of creation and all of eternity is that you will destroy this temple, the body of Christ. And on the third day, it will be raised to life. You see, they demand a sign. He's like, I'm not gonna give you a sign. He does this in Matthew too, where they're like, give us a sign. And he goes, you will get no sign, but what? The sign of Jonah, who went down into the depths, into the darkness. And on the what day? The third day was brought out that he might declare the message of grace, hope and truth that Nineveh might believe and repent and find true life. There's something about the third day that every miracle Jesus did was all about declaring His power and His authority and all of it pointing to His capacity, His authority, His ability to fulfill a third day resurrection which leaves us asking a simple question, why the third day? 
What is it about the third day that is so significant? And to answer that, we've got to dance back to the first book. Because when you go to Genesis 1, remember John, we said this on Friday, John, as he's writing, he's writing a recreation account. In the beginning was the word. He starts with in the beginning for a reason. His gospel is trying to show us that Jesus is the only one who can bring recreation because he was the one through whom creation happened in the first place. And so Genesis 1 says there was darkness. And we sat in this on Friday. There was darkness. There was the void. There was the emptiness. There was God and where there wasn't God, there was this Hoshek, death, absence of life. And then what came? Light. And light initiated the beginning of order. And so day one was light and day two was waters being separated as the order started to come into creation. And if you read day three, what you'll discover is on day three, Life comes out of the ground. Oh, church, that's better than you just gave it credit for. (laughs) Life comes out of the ground on day three. Day four, light. Day five, the waters and life coming into the waters. Day six, life comes out of the ground in the form of humanity being formed from the very dust of the earth. So you see the third day, the first third, we're getting into mathematics, how are we going? The first three is life comes out of the ground. The second three is life comes out of the ground. There's something about creation when God creates, when He brings light and He brings order, the waters are separated. Waters representing that death, they get split. Oh, that makes me think of Exodus. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. The waters get split and something happens. Life springs up out of the ground. And so Jesus intentionally knows that it's not about just Him fulfilling some sort of symbol. He can't just come down from that cross in the moment because He is on about a greater work. He is accomplishing something. He is doing something real and tangible. He is fulfilling new creation. He's not just dealing with sin. He is bringing with Him life and life to the full. That's why He's come. And so He goes into the ground and on the third day, life comes up out of the grave. Life from the ground. It's why the Jews celebrate the festival of first fruits on the third day from Passover as a symbol of life coming from the ground. Jesus is the only one capable. Why can He clear the temple? Because He is the temple. He is the very presence of God. The temple signifies God dwelling with humanity. It is heaven on earth. And in that moment, as He clears the temple, Jesus understands that the temple is a shadow of Himself. He's like, I'm clearing this house because this is my house. And this is a symbol of the mess you've made in humanity, but I've come to redeem it. 
I've come to restore it. I've come to bring life to it. And the sign that I'm gonna give you is that I'm gonna go into the ground and on the third day, I'm gonna rise back up. Fulfilling everything that the temple is supposed to speak about. The third day will be reinstituted in humanity forever. The curse of sin and death that you brought by your choices, humanity, will be destroyed. And by believing in me, you will have life and life everlasting. Third day reality forever. And I love that if you keep reading in John, watch this, verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he, he and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in the heart of man. See, Jesus understands that we love signs. We love craving the moment. We love, you know, we love the spectacle and we get caught up in the spectacle. And he goes, no, no, you need something much deeper than that. I haven't come to bring a show. I haven't come to perform for you. I have come to perform a work on your behalf. I have come to do something for you that you cannot do by yourself and a song and dance won't fit it. What it needs is to go into the ground and to spring up from the ground so the death that is in you, the darkness that is in you will be gone forevermore. That light would come and bring life. Friends, the temple was always supposed to point us to Eden. That's why it was instituted. That's why everything was engraved upon it. It was supposed to point to Eden, the garden, the place where God dwelt with humanity without anything in the way. Pure, beautiful, third day creation, sixth day, Creation, reality, Eden. And everything from that moment on, from the moment we sin, God instituted to point us back that a day would come when He would restore Eden, where He would dwell with humanity. And here, as Jesus on this Easter Sunday comes up out of the ground, the very thing is He is doing is He is restoring Eden for humanity. An Eden reality that would come in its fullness. And we'll read in a second in Revelation 22. But the work is finished. He's done what needed to be done by rising from the grave on the third day. Very quickly, I'll give you three R's just to take home because I know you like your three R's. Three R's, what is this third day reality? What is the thing that He has actually achieved and accomplished on our behalf? Number one, redemption from sin. The curse of sin is gone. 
This third day reality, redemption from sin for all humanity, for anyone who would believe, anyone who would die to self and would say, Jesus Christ, I'm trusting you for life and life everlasting. And he says, your sins are gone because I have paid the penalty and I have taken them to the grave. I have buried them in the ground and that is where they belong. And now I am bringing Eden life to your soul. Redemption from sin. Number two, relationship with God. Redemption from sin produces relationship with God. That's the Eden reality, that God walks with humanity, that God wants to dwell with His people. That no longer is there a separation, no longer is there the curtain, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. No longer do we have to access His presence by the blood of rams and bulls and goats and through one bloke who can go into the Holy of Holies once a year. No, no, we have access to His presence by His Holy Spirit through the finished work of the cross. We have relationship with the living God. And number three, that produces in us a deep reverence for Him, which leads to a life of repentance. This is what the temple pointed us to. This was the picture of the temple. Yes? That I would come and I would bring my sacrifice for redemption of sins, that I would go through the priest, that there would be a sense of relationship with God, that there would be a connection with God. And as I approached the temple, that there would be this glorious, incredible building and I would be like, whoa, and there would be a reverence that fills my heart. It's a shadow. This is what Jesus is doing. And when we see Jesus, when we see this cross and we see that all He has achieved, we are supposed to recognise this redemption from sin. There's relationship with God and oh my goodness, there's such reverence. How can I not, how can I chase after my, and I fully catch it. How can I chase after my own stuff? How can I not in seeing Him say, I wanna lay that down and chase after you? How can we not say, thank you Jesus for the blood applied? Thank you, Jesus. You have brought new life. Third day, powerful resurrection reality. It leaves us with a very simple question, church. What Jesus are you following? What Jesus are we following? Are we like those people around the cross? who crave a sign that we might see and believe. Let's be real for a second. Because at Easter, we mock these people. At Easter, we go, oh, what idiots. But the reality is we're all like that. So often we're like, well, if Jesus just does this, Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I need healing here. Jesus, I need you to to meet this need. Jesus, and when it doesn't happen, we're like, well, are you really who you said you are? Are we like those people at the cross who say, well, give us a sign that we might see and then I'll see and believe. Or do 
we see Jesus as He is revealed to us in the Word? Do we recognise that He is on about so much more than a momentary desire or a momentary need, but rather He is on about the deepest need for humanity? And actually what He has accomplished is more than enough. This is more than enough, church. Do you believe that, Hills Baptist? This is more than enough. This is the greatest sign. This is the greatest miracle. Nothing else compares to the finished work of Christ on the cross. This is what we need. This is the sign of Jonah. This is the fulfilment of the third day reality of creation. We have been brought from darkness to light, from death to life. We have been set free from the curse of sin and death, church, by believing in Him. See this and believe. See this and believe. We are a church that preaches the Word and preaches the cross because it's this is enough. From Him, all the fullness and the glory of God flows out to humanity. And everything else that happens, all the wonders, all the signs, all the things that God wants to do, all of it is to point people to this, that the grave has returned to a garden. That we might have redemption from sin, relationship with God and live a life of reverence and repentance because He is worthy of our praise. That we might go and shine the light that He has given us to the world. And so let me finish. Let me finish with Revelation 22. And you can, you can stand to your feet right now. I invite you to close your eyes for a second and let this, let this Word wash over you. This is what's coming. And everything else has been fulfilled. So I have pretty, I got confidence that this is coming too. <laughs> then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing... 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. Hallelujah. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Look, I am coming soon. Do you believe that? My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come. 
And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. Friends, which Jesus are you following? Which Jesus are you following? Is He Lord? Because if He's Lord, it means even when things don't go our way, we still surrender to Him because He's worthy of our lives. Tim Keller says, Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar or Lord. And he says that based on C.S. Lewis who says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept His claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg (laughs) or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he certainly did not intend to. Which Jesus are we following? Let's make him Lord of our lives, amen because that is who He is. That is who He is. Loving Heavenly Father, we praise You, we worship You, we honour You. We thank You that in Christ, creation has been restored and will be completely made new on that final day which we await with great anticipation. But Lord, in the meantime, we say, here we are, send us. Fill us, Lord, with Your Spirit, with Your light, that we might go and declare the good news that Jesus Christ was dead and buried and is alive forevermore. And there is hope and grace and mercy and truth and love in Him and Him alone. Send us, Lord. We praise You in the precious Name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the Gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com 
forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.